Hey, y'all, and welcome to the Keeping It Center podcast. I'm your host, Jaquetta Gilbert. This is a space for women who want help keeping God at the center of their marriage, their role as a mom, and while using their gifts to make a difference in the lives of others. This is for real women with real issues serving a real God who holds us in the palm of his hand. So if you're ready to take off the facade, woman up to your imperfections, and invite our Father in every part of your beautiful mess, girlfriend, you're in the right place. Thank you all for joining us on this week of the Keeping It Centered podcast. We are discussing singleness um, this week, and I have the best person I know to talk about it. I'm so, so excited. Cannot wait to jump in. Before I start saying too much, I will let her go ahead and introduce herself and tell us what she does. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm Tamika L. Sims. I am an author coach, five-time author, and an editor. All right. Y'all listen, she did that real fast. She is phenomenal. <laughs> she has it going on. She does oh, a lot of you. stuff. She doesn't even tell y'all about. Um, so we are very fortunate to have you there this week. You're so sweet. Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> Keeping it condensed. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna dig in a bit. And I first wanted to open up with um you know, you and I we've chatted a whole lot. We've yeah. About whole all different kind of things over the yeah. years. This week we're going to be talking about singleness. Like I said, so I want you to tell our ladies what it was like to um, become single. Ooh, what was it like to become single? So it was a challenge. Um, I think it was also an interesting process of me really rediscovering myself. You know, a lot of times in relationships, we morph into our partners. We want to make sure that they're happy and they're pleased. And, you know, we're making all these connections and meeting family and all of those things. But for me, it was about rediscovering who I was outside of that and apart from him. And so that whole process led me to what I liked, what I didn't like what I wanted to participate in, what I didn't want to participate in, because a lot of that, again, was about what he wanted me to do, his restaurants, his grocery store, his style of clothing. And so me really coming into my own and discovering who I was as a woman and as a person separate from him was, you know, a very interesting journey. So give us a little background then, because I know a lot of people may not know how you became single, yeah. what really led to that. Share a little bit of that with us. So it was coming out of an abusive relationship of almost 10 years. Um, this guy and I dated, um, and so from the very beginning, it was emotional abuse, verbal abuse, and then eventually, of course, abuse escalates over time, so it was physical abuse, and our relationship ended with a sexual assault. So outside of that relationship um, and really coming out of that, especially when it's trauma and that level of pain, it just puts you in a different place and in a different mindset. First of all, I said, well, if I live through this, then God, I know you have something special um, ready for me. So it was just, you know, that process of coming out of that and dating him. So tell us then how singleness has changed your relationship with God. So singleness... um, it really taught me how to rely on God 100% because, you know, when you have your partner, you can talk to them and they can help you figure some things out. But I learned to do that with God and to trust him as my one true confidant where I know that whatever I say to him, he's not going to release. Um, 
And this may sound weird, but getting to know him as a lover, because God loves us and he treasures us and he sees us as the apple of his eye. So reconnecting to him in that in an intimate way um, where he could remind me of those of those things about myself. And you only get that through true intimacy. And you learn that a lot of times when you're single, when you don't have a physical person to have that sort of interaction with you learn how to have it with God and it just builds you up in a completely different way so that's that's what I've learned from singleness that's probably one of the greatest lessons is learning to see him as that and knowing that he would always be that no matter if my no matter if or when my relationship status changes so because your relationship ended in um in a not the greatest way i'll say like that um you did end up having a son though yes and so tell us what it's been like for him and in this whole process so my son was well it was not his son so i do want to clear that up um but my son was about three years old when i met him and so he was about 10 years old by the time that our relationship completely dissolved and um my son what I thought I was doing as a mom was protecting him from the abuse from the verbal assaults but I also have to realize that children are very resilient and they know what's going on so as much as I thought that I was protecting him I realized that I I wasn't so once I got out of the relationship and that really was the thing that broke my heart I was fine with anything physically done to me because I knew eventually I would heal but my son the very next day after that assault that ended our relationship he said to me he said mama what's wrong with your face and so I tried to dismiss and say oh well I just ran into a wall or a doorknob or whatever it was I said I can't remember and then he looked at the bruises on my chest and he said well mama did you hit a brick wall there too and that's when I had to stop and realize that as much as I thought I was protecting him, I wasn't. And he knew what was happening the very, the entire time. But now he's an adult, so he'll be, he's almost 23 years old. I can't believe it. Um, so, but he's doing so good. We have conversations about relationships all the time because I know that children that are oftentimes exposed to domestic violence, they can become perpetrator or victim. And so I just wanted to make sure that he was okay. So we could talk about it and I would answer his questions freely, openly, um, because I wanted to really just maintain that level of communication. But he's doing great. He's really doing great. So I'm very proud of him. I'm very proud of him. Wonderful, wonderful. I know you are very proud of him. I (laughs) see you talk about him all the time. So tell us then some signs that women should look for when, if they're in the dating phase or early on in the marriage, what are signs they need to look for? Oh, that's such a good question because I miss those red flags. Oh my gosh. So ladies, we got to open our eyes. Um, The first thing for me was what I thought was privacy in our relationship was really secrecy. And I always like to tell women that there's a difference. You should never be any, any partner's secret whether husband or boyfriend you're too pretty too beautiful too smart to be anybody's secret privacy is we're in a relationship so we don't want people to know the necessary ins and out but people still know that we're in a relationship well with him he didn't want anybody to know that we were in a relationship we attended the same church he wouldn't sit on the same pew with me he wouldn't come walk in the same door with me um, because he just didn't want anybody to be in his business quote unquote so that's one of the signs it's really 
paying attention to the things that he's saying, um, not necessarily about the, the physical action, but really looking at listening to his words. Because a lot of times people will really tell us who they are, but because we're women and we're hopeful and we love and we have such compassion, we think that we can change an individual, but you can't. So being open to that, looking at how he treats his family, his mothers, his sisters. Now my abuser, he was very good to his mom. You know, so even with paying attention to the signs that I'm sharing, even still trusting your gut instinct. And if something does not feel right to you, then being able to call your partner on it, because that's the signs of a healthy relationship is when we can be open and communicate with one another. And I can say to you, hey, let's have a conversation about this. This does not feel good to me. Um, not having the same level of respect and trust. Um, being accused of some things early on why are you talking to this person a little bit longer you normally you come home right after work but you're staying an extra 30 minutes like what's happening are you cheating you know all of those kinds of things so just being open paying attention trusting our intuition that God gave us so if someone thinks okay I'm seeing these signs mm -hmm. what do I do I, I'm hoping it's not that right what would her next step be a conversation with herself she needs to have a conversation with herself and really just separate the person from what she's feeling those emotions those thoughts and look at a situation in black and white now relationships can sometimes exist in that gray area it may be a reminder of abuse but it could not be that right but we in and of ourselves we know when something is just not right or we know when we're not being treated the way that we want to be treated, or we know that we don't feel the love or the support that we need to feel or we desire to feel, and we should not dismiss that. We have to be able to talk to each other and say, hey, you know, I told you that I was going back to school, for example. I don't feel as though you were happy for me or you supported me. That's a small thing but it can become big over time especially if we stay in a relationship and we don't talk about it so just again trusting yourself and we know what it is that we want out of relationships and not settling for anything less Ooh, that's a mouthful girl i mean I just, <laughs> you know we just we can't settle on it and i know for me that was a big thing i settled because when i was a young girl growing up my mama always said, you want to find a good man, you find a good man in the church. So I was in the church. He was in the church. He was like, I liked him to look physically, you know, so I was attracted to him, but he was just a chameleon and he was just anything but the man that he portrayed himself to be. So how then, if a woman is too scared mm -hmm. to do something, she knows it's gone too far. Right. Like she's it's up to physical abuse even at right. this point how can that woman safely get help she wants to run away right. but she's scared how can she proceed so this is going to go against every human grain that's on the inside of us um is that she has to make a decision you know i talked to someone earlier today and she told me she was asking me about a friend of hers who was in a very violent situation but was too scared to make a move. And I said, while I respect you and honor you for wanting to be a support to her, at the end of the day, it is her choice. So the woman that's seeing these things that's afraid, ultimately she has to decide. She has to decide, am I gonna choose myself at the end of the day or am I still going to be in this unhealthy situation and for what reason? 
You know, is it because we have children? Is it because I don't have money? Is it because I don't have any friends or family here? You can rebuild all of those things. You know what I mean? If you are able to escape a situation, you can rebuild your life. I was able to do it from nothing. And so just deciding that I want better for myself, not anybody else. I want better for myself and being willing to do the work that comes along with it. It's not going to be easy, but it is possible. So she has to decide. Um, and then she needs to line up support. You know, you can't make that decision by yourself. I tried it. I didn't want my mother or my sister to know anything that was happening. But I realized three months later, there's no way. There was no way. I still had my son to take care of. I was still working a full-time job. I was in school. There was no way that I could make that decision and stay out of it if it were not for my support system. Ooh, tough situation. <laughs> tough yeah. situation. Um, I... I appreciate your your honesty your candor because the unfortunate thing is like you said there are people going through things it looks on the outside yes. like oh they're doing good mm -hmm. and on the inside we just it could be the total opposite yeah. um so I'm, I'm hoping that anyone that's in that kind of situation today is really taking heart yeah. um to this conversation and like you said you were able to rebuild yes can I say something there right here I'm sorry mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's so important as women that we really look out for each other. And I know there's a lot of conversation about mean girls and women and women empowerment events and we're not really showing up in that space, but we really have to pay attention to our girlfriends because there will be a sign that something is not right. If she's bubbly and all of a sudden you see her slowly over time starting to get withdrawn or she's being by herself more something's wrong may not be in her relationship but something is wrong so I think we have to care enough to check in with each other and to say hey you know girl is everything okay are you happy because you don't you know just general basic questions that we're dismissing because on the outside she is the strong friend and she is the one that makes sure that everybody is okay but who's checking on her so we have to do a better job of that as women that's biblical being our, our <laughs> brothers and sisters keeper yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. and I, I again I admire you for for sharing your story because I know it is vulnerable it's, yeah. it's you know not everybody's at that level right to discuss it yet right um Tell us a little bit of how all of this, all of these experiences shaped you as a mom. How were oh. you impacted as a mom? That is, I don't know. You know, <laughs> looking back on the situation now, I don't know how I was still able to take care of my son. There were, I was in such a dark place um, from depression and being diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and thoughts of suicide. I, I don't know, you know, a lot of it was probably my mom and my sister who moved in with me to kind of help me navigate some of the earlier experiences, but having to get up and get him dressed for school, there were things that I couldn't even remember to do. And, um, so when I say rock bottom and you can't rebuild, it's because I know what that space is like. So he's always been a good kid you know he's always been strong smart and responsible and some of that was probably just in him him just doing what he could to move through the situation and and you know kind of look out for himself so i mean and i know that doesn't really answer the question but 
it was just it was hard it was very hard and coming out of it I was probably a better mom um, because we were open and we could have some of those conversations and I did allow him to speak and watch him sort of grow and come up into his own and see his whole personality because I feel like I missed some of that so early on because I was focusing on myself and not that I neglected him but I was trying to keep myself safe and trying to keep the environment safe so that he wasn't hurt and being a parent to him just wasn't at the top of the list um and so it was a struggle it was really a struggle but I'm a much better mom today you know of course that he's an adult male so we can and even now you know sometimes he'll say well mama I remember this so I'll remember that and we talk about it you know and I think that's the key for any relationship parent child or whatever so you have to be able to talk communication is important I'm glad you brought that up because um I know as a minority myself uh-huh. in a lot of households there's that thing of what happens at home stays at home Mm -hmm. we don't talk about Mm -hmm. our business with anybody else so it sounds like that wasn't a thing that you had your son to grow up under no I now I didn't talk about the abuse I can say that but no he was free to say whatever he needed to say i I don't buy into that. Um, I grew up with that, with my mom and my dad, you know, because my dad was abusive to my mom. So I grew up in that environment a little bit. um, And I didn't want that because that secrecy really destroys you from the inside out. And that's why I said when it comes to relationships, we can't be anybody's secret because it eats away at you. The thing about domestic violence or any unhealthy situation is it's really soul murdering. It's really soul murdering. It destroys you until you come to yourself and say, I have to get out of this situation. But yeah, I don't buy into that notion. If something's going on and it's not right now, you got to talk to somebody about it. Too many kids are dying. They're taking their own lives because of situations that they're in. And I don't want that. And I wouldn't think that any parent would want that. And not only were the home sometimes we grew up in like that, but Mm -hmm. even some of the churches maybe that some of us attended were Mm -hmm. like, that's on the hush-hush. And they're still like that, (laughs) you know? Right, right. Some churches are still like that. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately. And do you have any words that you would like to say to churches of how they can uh, be a part of taking this this veil off and being a help to victims of domestic violence i would say that churches need to make themselves safe spaces for the victims not the perpetrators because i'll just never forget the experience with my former pastor and how he was just not apologetic um and i i was looking for an apology for him because this was a leader he was a deacon this was a leader in the church and i wanted the pastor to say I'm sorry, I don't stand for this, but he never addressed it. Even when we, because we had to have private meetings because we had property together. So we, you know, we would sit in his office and discuss some things, but never. Now they wanted me to come before the church and air all of my dirty laundry. No. So churches have to make themselves a safe space. From the pulpit, the pastor needs to speak out against an issue, and it doesn't have to be domestic violence. Churches have to take a stance. The leader has to take a stance or the leaders in the church have to take a stance so that if something is happening, because you don't know if on the way to church, my husband held a gun to my head. But if you don't ever stand up and say anything against that, then he can continue to do that. Well, because if there's no discipline 
And if she's not talking, it's okay until we read about them or hear about them on the news. And it doesn't have to get to that point if we're creating safe spaces and environments where we can have conversations like this and be open. I will tell you all of the times that I speak, five of those places have probably been churches because it's still a taboo subject and nobody wants to address it. And I'm gonna say this, because this is public information, is that probably three years ago, that pastor was arrested for domestic violence. And so it was a full circle moment for me because then I just said, okay, God, this is why he didn't address it because he was perpetrating it. And it's very hard to take a stance against something that you're doing yourself. And so, but churches have to be safe spaces and we have to be, if we're the hospital for the sick, we need to be that, not physically, emotionally, and some other areas as well. That's powerful. That's really powerful. We, it just, I just, we have to do better. Mm-hmm. You know, as believers, there are just so many things that we're not talking about that we should be. And if we're to be separate from the world, the world is having these conversations all the time. But we refuse. Or, you know, we're locked in behind the four walls that we're supposed to be coming out of, and people are suffering. Um, in silence the second place for a woman to be killed is at church and with a statistic that alarming you would think that things would be different but they're not because they're vulnerable spaces also not very few churches have security or whatever so people can walk in and do all kinds of harm we've seen that even outside of domestic violence we've just seen that so we just we have to be open to having these conversations At Keeping It Centered, we love sharing stories of real women who've overcome tough challenges all by God's grace. Do you know someone with a story who could help Christian wives, moms, and difference makers grow in their faith walk? If so, send your suggestion to keepingitcentered at gmail.com. Now back to our show. hopefully we can get to more of that um you know i think this this episode is definitely a start yeah a stepping stone and i appreciate you for being open to this subject because not many people are Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so the hope in it all there is hope yes and tell us how you were able to grab hold of that hope and pull yourself out it was literally that prayer that night god if you allow me to live i know you have a special purpose on my life now it took me some years to find out what that was because i was like i don't see it yet you know what's going on but it just um it was a day-by-day process because you know because our situation was so rooted in our faith i wanted nothing to do with god I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to read my Bible. I didn't step foot in another church for almost a year. I felt like I was suffocating. And um, so I had to rebuild my relationship with God outside of the church. And what that looked like was a lot of prayer and private conversations and meditation and journaling. And eventually I found my way back. But that was the hope. And honestly, the thing that pulls women out of these situations is their faith. 
um, we think is counseling, and that's important, but it's faith, faith in God and faith in you, because you have to tap into this inner resilience that you don't even know that you have, but somehow you find it. And every single day you walk the steps to be able to pull it all together because you have to, right? I've seen this meme floating around social media that she was too busy saving herself to be looking for a hero. That's what we have to do. We have to learn how to save ourselves and pull ourselves out. So that's the hope is again, that decision. I'm not going to die in this place. I refuse to. Because a week later, after the physical and sexual assault incident, there was an attempted murder-suicide against me. And again, my prayer was, God, if you allow me to live, I know that you have something special for me. And he's been fulfilling his promises ever since. What has the healing process been like? Because I think, again, that's another thing we don't talk about is how do you... You're, you're out of that situation. Mm-hmm. How do you, you're physically out of the situation, but how right. do you emotionally move yourself into the right direction? For me, it was therapy. I was in therapy for almost three years. I had a private therapist and then I did group counseling services. Um, and just every day, just journaling, paying attention, reconnecting with myself every day and it's literally every day that you have to do something for you Um, and I don't care how small it is you know I mentioned learning I learned that it was okay for me to go to Starbucks and spend five dollars on coffee if I wanted because with him all I could do is get a dollar coffee off of McDonald's menu I learned that it was okay if I wanted to go to the bookstore and just sit with nothing to do because with him I had to my he had to monitor my whereabouts all the time so that whole rediscovery process was healing in and of itself. I realized a lot of stuff I did with him, I didn't even want to do. I didn't even like doing. And I liked the freedom to be able to say that, to say that it's okay if you don't like doing this anymore. And to discover what it is that you do like. So now I love dating myself and being with myself. Um, and rediscovering who Tamika is every single day. It's a, it's a continual process, this um, evolving, this evolution, this coming into who you are and fulfilling your gifts and your purpose. It's all a daily walk. And at any time, it's easy to give up and quit because it does get hard. There were so many years when all of his words would constantly play in my mind until I had to learn how to do a scripture says, and that's take the thought captive in the moment and stop it before I allowed it to fester and take me down a different path. So, but that was a process that I had to do every day. And that was something that happened recently that I heard his voice when I stepped out to try to do something for the first time. And I was like, no, no, no. I know exactly what I'm doing, what I'm doing. I know exactly who I am. I know what God has equipped me to do. But that's, and you know, I've been out of that relationship for 10 years now. And so still, those things were so deeply rooted in me that still every now and then I find myself hearing something that he said. So through all this discovering Mm -hmm. and journaling, it eventually led you to. Yeah, so it led me to writing my first book, which was about that experience and that abusive relationship. And really um, in an open and honest way giving people a look inside of my life as a victim, but also inside of the perpetrator's mind, because that's so important. We got to understand both sides of it. I know that there were certain things that attracted him to me. And this is another point that I want to make to the ladies is 
our self-esteem is so important. I was, that's what it was, that my low self-esteem, it pulls abusive and narcissistic personalities because they know they can get over on us. They know how to push our buttons. They know the things to say to sort of keep us subservient. And I know that was the thing that attracted him to me because I didn't know who I was as a woman. So no matter your age, you have to know who you are as an individual so someone can't come in and tell you who you are or give you your worth or give you your value because they were never the ones to assign it in the first place. Oof. <laughs> Knowing your value. I think that's definitely something a lot of uh, our young ladies, you know, as an educator, mm-hmm. I've seen it in the schools. Yes. That's definitely something that needs to be addressed. But yes. I'm glad you brought the point up that it's not even just the young ladies. Right. It's, it's us grown folks, it's us too. grown women. <laughs> and I like to say that a lot of women, adult women, are little girls who never grew up. They just, and it could be because of trauma or other reasons, but you have 40, 50 year old women that are still trapped at the age of nine. How in the world can they navigate a prosperous life if they're still little girls on the inside because they haven't healed or dealt with whatever it is that they needed to deal with? And that's troubling because you know if she hasn't healed, you're just compiling and adding all this baggage and all of these men and all of these relationships and everything else that comes along with it, but she's still there. And you're going to have to eventually go back so that she can be healed so that you can be healthy and whole. So not only did you write and share your story, but you also (laughs) help other people do the same. I do. I do. So that was a part of my purpose. Um, that was one of the things that I asked God is, you know, what's my purpose and what's my point? And once I shared my story, I realized that I've always had a love of reading and writing. And ever since I was a little girl, like my mom said, when my sister and I were growing up, she was playing with dolls. I was reading books and I was talking at an early age and all of those things. I've just been fascinated with learning and it's come full circle now that I get and do it full time where I'm not, you know, where I'm living my passion and my purpose every day from helping people tell their stories. That's unheard of. I didn't think you could make a career out of it. I just thought, well, I did it, so I'll show other people how to do it. But it's such a blessing to help people to tell their stories and their truth and to step into that and the power that comes um, as a result of doing that. So it's just amazing. It's amazing. So I've been able to help more than 100 people at this point in five years. So it's really a blessing. It's really a blessing. What was that like for you I've seen like we were saying before we started recording Mm -hmm. I've seen you from doing your beginning videos yeah what has that journey looked like for that woman who they're like okay maybe I can do that Mm -hmm. I'm going to rebuild myself and and maybe I can step out and, and do something in front of people what's that process been like for you um I think just owning my gifts and walking into walking in my gifts and really knowing that there's a certain power that's with that and freedom that I have every day because of how God uses me and I'm just the kind of girl I go for it I don't think about things long I don't pray about them long I'm not fasting forever if God gives me an idea I am running with it it may fall it may crash but you'll never let it be said about Tamika that she didn't go for it 
And I had to get to that place where I'm not waiting on anybody else's permission to do something. I'm doing it because I want to, or I'm doing it because this is how he's leading me. And that's what it looks like now on the outside is this beautiful, glamorous life where I'm able to live my passion and profit from it. But on the inside, it's been a lot of challenges and a lot of me, even in this process, rediscovering who I was like, you know, I don't think that rediscovery ever goes away. I think that we always should be learning about ourselves, depending on where we are in our lives and the different phases. But it's just been a blessing. I mean, I can't describe it any other way outside of it just really being a blessing. Tell us one thing you wish you knew before becoming a full-time entrepreneur. I wish I knew that year two was not going to be like year number one. Do you know what I'm like? Year number one, I was so excited and I had all of this support. And when the second year came and all that support went away and my excitement was kind of dwindling, I was like, huh. I wonder if I really heard God correctly. <laughs> you know, we start questioning ourselves. And so um, that's what I wish I knew is that it was going to be this roller coaster. And with entrepreneurship, you have to be committed for the long haul. Like it's not for people that are quitters. Um, it's not for people that easily give up because you need that resilience because you won't have cheerleaders all the time. And you won't always have clients that you want all the time. And you won't always have the support. And if you're the only entrepreneur in your friends and in your family, they don't understand. So it has to be in you um, to be able to make it on the days where you feel like you're scraping the bottom almost. But um, it's those times that builds you up and that gives you the strength so that you can not only have that for yourself, but for the people that are coming behind you. What do you think has been the biggest lesson God's taught you through all of this oh gosh the biggest lesson has been um my faith i am just um because my faith was a struggle when i was trying to discover myself again but it's my faith i realized that it's my faith that moves god and i just always remember the story of abraham how he was called the father of faith before faith was even introduced in the scripture and it's because he trusted God, no matter what. And I got to that point to where I just trust him no matter what. So that's it, is that if I can trust him, hold on to his word, stand true to his promises, he's going to make all things good concerning me. And that gets me through on the hard days. It gets me through on the hard days. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Well, we're going to wrap up a little bit. Okay. Tell us about a few resources you've come across that um, may be helpful to single moms, women that are currently going through domestic abuse or you know, recently got out of it, or even our women that are interested in entrepreneurship and writing a book, all of that. So there's a book, I cannot remember the author, but the title of the book is Women Who Love Too Much. Um, that is an excellent resource for women, no matter where they may find themselves in relationships or in life. Um, because sometimes we do. And sometimes that loving too much gets us in a lot of trouble. So that's a great resource. Um, another one for personal and self-development is Who Moved My Cheese? That's my favorite sort of personal development book because... There's a lot of complaining that happens on those pages, but at the end of the day, it's about us being grateful and having gratitude. 
um, for people that are interested in writing a book, if they don't want to call me for a free consultation, I'm just kidding. Um, so um, just any really sort of writing resource or a video or something on YouTube that can help them. But for me, it's just reconnecting with that why and understanding why they're wanting to write a book or why they're wanting to take the next step because the why is going to really help them to get through some of those hard days. So starting with why is another good book. Start with why um, is an excellent book that people can read that helps them to create a why statement if they haven't done so already. Um, so those will be some of my resources as far as domestic violence goes. Um, that same book, Women Who Love Too Much, um, there's also, I can't, I'm not going to give another book because I can't remember the author, but um, any sort of resources with counseling is always going to be good. Support groups that may be in their community service. If they are a survivor and they're at a place where they can be a free giver of their story, speaking on behalf of battered women and their children is excellent. And men, it's excellent if they um, can do that because nothing is more powerful than a survivor story. That's the thing that encourages and pushes and gives other survivors hope because at the end of the day, that's what we should, that's what we should be doing. Our lives should become this vehicle of hope where we are inspiring and encouraging others to say, if I got out of it, you can too. Awesome. Now, you've got lots of resources. I do. Share those with us, please. <laughs> so um, my book, the debut novel that I talked about is called The Plus Factor. And um, I'm so very proud of that work and proud of myself and the transformation that, um, you know, was individual within me. That literally was the book that changed my life because without that story and that book experience, I wouldn't be here today. Um, and then from there, I decided to take my hand into fiction. And so I wrote a fiction novella called A Life That's Mine, and both of these titles are available on Amazon. And some other resources are more for business about Facebook groups and because um, people are all into tribe building and those things and connecting with their people. So there's one about Facebook groups. And I wrote an ebook for authors. Um, so that's um, actually free. So if we, you know, later on, if you have a way to share the link, I'll do that. I do. I do. Tell us that link and where we can find you. So that link um, is actually, they're going to have to get it from Instagram because I can't, it's on a, hosted on a different site. Um, But I can send it to you separately so you can share it in the verbiage. But Mm -hmm. they can find me on social media. So Tamika Sims on Facebook. Um, Tamika L. Sims on Instagram. My business Instagram is at get right, W-R-I-T-E with Tamika. Um, so they can find me on those places. I also have a Facebook community called Self-Assured Woman. It was really sort of the movement that was birthed out of my situation because when I talked about girlfriends earlier, it was because I didn't have any during the worst times. And so I created this community of women so that I could never say that again. And so that self-assured woman, they can join us by, you know, typing in self-assured woman on their Facebook search engine and submitting a request, and we're happy to have them there. But all of my titles can be found on Amazon. Okay. All right. Now, this is the last question I ask every single guest. All right. Um, How do you keep God at the center of your life? How do I keep God at the center of my life? He is, um, he's the first person that I talk to in the morning. And the last person that I talk to at night and all throughout the day. I really love how God uses me and how he speaks to me. I love that I have an ear for his voice. So I know that it's him who's leading me. And it's taken me some time to get to that point to really develop that sense of relationship. 
um, and nurturing that relationship and spending that quiet time where I can still myself and center myself and just hear his voice and listen for it so I know it when I'm hearing it. But that's how I keep him at the center in my faith. I just, I am a big, old, faith-believing person. Like, I have giant-level faith. There's nothing I believe that God doesn't give me that he can't come to pass and make it purposeful for him, for me, and for everybody that is supposed to help. So, awesome. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, we thank you again. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so, so much, everyone, for tuning into this week's podcast episode. I know it was one of our tougher episode topics and um, just really heavy, but I know there are some listeners out there that are either dealing with this or have dealt with it in the past, and I wanted to make sure that you knew you're not alone and that there are other women out there who have overcome and are, are living victoriously. So there is hope. Let's close out in prayer. God, thank you for Tamika's bravery and sharing her story with us. I pray for any listener who shares a similar experience and she's not sure she can get out. I pray for those who have made it out and they're still in need of healing from you, God. Domestic violence isn't something anyone wants, and we know it's definitely not something you've designed for relationships. You are the perfect example of what real love looks like. Please bring peace comfort, healing, and courage to anyone listening who's either currently dealing with domestic violence or has in the past. And God, I pray for the abusers too, that they will come to know you for who you are and turn from their ways. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been driving along, You can find today's show notes over at www.keepingitcentered.com. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for The Centered Notes, our bi-weekly devotional newsletter. And follow us over at Instagram at Keeping It Centered.